You know, hosting a daily Bearcats podcast is tough when you live in Macon, Georgia, so that's why today we've got Boots on the Ground Insight to preview the 2020 season, or did I say 2020? The 2022 season. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, welcome on in to another episode of Lockdown Bearcats, your team every day. We are free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm Alex Frank, your host each and every day on YouTube. We are currently at 431 subscribers, but keep those coming as we roll in to football season. And the man you recognize on your screen if you're watching on YouTube and the man that you, you recognize when you hear him. On today's show, you know him well. He's filled in for me on this show before, and he will again throughout the season. And that is my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, Russ Heltman. Russ, good to have you um, in Cincinnati. Boots on the ground reporting. You've been at Camp Higher Ground, and I'm going to ask you the obvious question. The quarterback mm-hmm. battle, where does it stand as of what is today? See, I do know what today is. August 24th. Where does the quarterback battle stand? Nine, what we are, 10 days away from the season opener. That we are. Great to be with everybody here on another episode of Locked On Bearcats. Alex, it's going to be Ben Bryant, I believe. I really do think it will be Ben Bryant as the starting quarterback day one against the Arkansas Razorbacks. He's been more consistent. He's been more polished. He's been with the ones more. That's the biggest tell that you can have throughout the entire camp and throughout the uh, the praxis that we're going to be graciously allowed to attend and, and, and watch in on throughout this week. So if that continues as well, the, the fact of Ben Bryant getting those higher level of first team snaps, it's not necessarily like a clear 1A and then a second string type of situation here where Bryant's getting 35, 40 snaps with the ones and, and Evan Prater only getting about 10 to 15 snaps with those same uh, same units. But it's it's a definitive, I think, lead right now for Ben Bryant and a lead in the race, Alex, that I don't think we're going to get a true confirmation about who's the starting quarterback. Anyone will until we see who walks out there for Series 1 on September 3rd. Okay, so you say you think it's going to be Ben Bryant. Excuse me, but you're also saying that there's no definitive answer yet. Is that where you're getting at? I don't, there's no definitive answer to the media. I don't know if Coach okay. Fickle has told players yet. I would imagine that he has. I mean, like you said, we're 10, 11 days away from kickoff of week one. You're getting away from camp higher ground mode and starting to transition into game week practice mode throughout the rest of this uh, this week. So to me, you have to get that game plan installed and you have to let the team know who's going to be their quarterback at some point if they haven't done it already in the next 48 to 72 hours. So I would imagine the team is obviously they're going to know who the quarterback is going to be starting wise on day one against Arkansas. But I don't think I don't think the media or more importantly, in the eyes of the Bearcats coaching staff, the Arkansas Razorbacks are going to know who's starting until they walk out there, play one. And I was joking with Keith Jenkins of uh, the Inquirer yesterday. We were saying, what if they run out Ben Bryant? first play and then Evan Prater's split out wide for it for a gadget package just to keep, <laughs> just, to keep just to keep the the uh just to keep the suspense rolling along from the uh the never never one to disappoint Cincinnati Bearcats football staff no well, that that's very true I mean they're, they're an interesting program that is for sure we know that well so what's changed Russ because I think going into fall camp and I think 
throughout it, we thought that, at least I thought, that the quarterback battle was a dead heat. So what changed? What did Ben Bryant do to separate himself from Evan Prater? Well, obviously, Ben Bryant missed some time two weeks ago due to uh, an undisclosed injury was allowed uh, that allowed Evan Prater to take the reins of the first team offense, showed really well in that stint and and started to maybe gain a little bit of an edge. But then we have the two scrimmages. And those, to me, are the biggest bellwethers in this race and the improvement of Ben Bryant from a solid kind of dead even match up against Evan Prater in that first scrimmage to a definitive winning performance in the second scrimmage. He was the best quarterback on the field. He was the most consistent quarterback on the field. Not necessarily, I don't think I'm allowed to give actual uh, the actual charting statistics that I went through, but I'll just say this. Ben Bryant looked like a competent, accurate NCAA Division One FBS passer, while Evan Prater looked like a redshirt sophomore who's still working through the kinks, who is not necessarily as com- as Comp, not necessarily not confidence, not the word I'm looking for, but not as consistent as Ben Bryant, down to down, throw to throw. And yes, Prater did have some drops that were just really untimely in terms of ending a few of his drives in that scrimmage. But overall, just the way the defense was playing with how high of a level they are playing right now, Ben Bryant was able to slice it up much better than Evan Prater was able to. And that was evident in that second scrimmage. I'm going to quote what you said about Ben Bryant, because I think that says it all. When you say that he is a competent, accurate NCAA FBS quarterback, because I think we knew he was, but my thing was, you look at his rushing totals, Russ, minus 53 for his career, not necessarily where I would like it, and I I don't think you would like it to be there either. But then again, you have to be able to throw from the pocket, which Ben Bryant has displayed he is able to do. So... Are we going to, at all this season, see Evan Prater? Because to me, and I've said this before, this is a decision, I've written about this on all Bearcats, this is a decision that could not only impact the first game this season, this this entire season, I think it could also play in the next season. Because if Ben Bryan plays really well this season and leads the Bearcats to a conference championship, it's going to be hard to just uh, insert Evan Prater to start next season, but then what's going to happen to a former four-star recruit who's the highest-rated offensive recruit in program history? He's going to ride the bench his entire career? He's going to transfer, and then he's gone completely? Like, what's going to happen to Evan Prater, Russ? To me, I think both these guys, if I were a betting man, I would say the I would probably put the odds at, like, plus 150, plus 180 right now that both of these guys start a game this year. I think it will happen, whether that's due to injury, knock on wood, and hopefully that does not happen, whether that's due to wanting to see Evan Prater in one of these maybe non-conference games, uh, get him out there early, maybe week two, they start Evan Prater and see what he can do there. I wouldn't bank on that, but I think both of these guys will end up starting this season. And to answer your question, what happens if Ben Bryant plays really well, goes out and, and steals the job. Evan Prater never really sees the field except for the same kind of role he had last year as a gadget player behind Desmond Ritter. Well, if Ben Bryant plays that well, Alex, and this is how he started from guys like Dane Brugler, draft analysts all over, he could work himself into that top seven quarterback level that you usually have to be in to get drafted fell. So I, I think everything is on the table for this program. It's all up in the air right now, whether or not Ben Bryant 
has a big, big year. You'd love to see that if you're the coaching staff. That would mean you made the right decision, and that would mean you brought back the right player in the transfer portal. And if he leaves and opens the gateway for another quarterback battle next year between Brady Lichtenberg and Evan Prater or Evan Prater and Brady Drogosh, then that's all well and good. But I think, like you mentioned, the worst-case scenario here is you're kind of up and down as an offense all year long. You're not as efficient as you'd like to be throwing the ball, which I think we're going to see this team lean into the passing game a little bit more than the running Mm -hmm. game smash mouth type of style that we've seen over the past few years with Desmond Ritter. You're not quite as efficient in that facet. And then you're just kind of left in no man's land at the end of the year with the quarterback and Ben Bryant, who was solid in the Mac, ends up being solid, you know. Nine wins, eight wins this season for the Bearcats, but doesn't make all the correct plays, doesn't make all the extra plays that a guy like Desmond Ritter gave you last year and over the last few years, and he decides to come back for his last year of eligibility. Where does that leave you then? Kind of in no man's land, and if you're the Bearcats coaching staff, you want Ben Bryant to leave you see this year. You want him to establish himself as an NFL type of style, NFL level quarterback, a draftable quarterback, and then keep that quarterback pipeline moving. Because if that happens, that means you had a 10 win, 11 win, knock on wood, undefeated season once again. All right, let's go to the running backs uh, real quick because there's a lot of new faces in this room. Corey Kiner, obviously, transferred from LSU, Cincinnati native. You've also got Ryan Montgomery, Miles Montgomery, Charles McClellan. Russ, how do you see this running back room uh, unfolding throughout the season? Is there a lead back? Is it a by-committee approach? What's Corey Kiner's role? Like, what do you see unfolding in this running back room this season? I think it will be much more of a committee than we're used to. One back will eventually emerge and maybe lead the rest of them by 20, 30 carries, maybe 40 carries overall on the season. But I've loved what I've seen out of Miles Montgomery, recruited out of Jacksonville, uh, Florida. He looks really hungry, ready to make a statement, ready to try to hold on to what I would, what I'm gauging watching practice over the last couple of weeks as a first team role right now. That being said, I expect the veteran Ryan Montgomery to get the start. And then Miles Montgomery works in much more throughout that Arkansas game. Corey Kiner works in a lot throughout that Arkansas game. I think we'll see McClellan, Montgomery, and then Kiner, and then Miles Montgomery in that order. So I would have Miles as the lead back over the first two to three games, maybe, as Corey Kiner continues to get acclimated with the roster and with the offense. Also have Ryan Montgomery mixed in there for some spot uh, carries. Charles McClellan mixed in there for some spot carries. But overall, it's going to be a by-committee backfield, I would I would imagine, throughout the non-conference slate. Then maybe Corey Kiner and Miles Montgomery, one of those two guys, starts to emerge as that lead back. But from what I've seen, Alex, Miles Montgomery is running hard. He's running angry. He's running with a purpose. And he's running like a guy that wants to hold off the highly touted local transfer that just came up from the bio. He's running like a guy that reminds me of Jerome Ford or Michael Warren. Guys who run through their pads, run angry, run right through what should be a really good offensive line rush. You got all five guys returning, but I want to turn to one guy who turned some heads on Saturday with some uh, catches in the scrimmage at Camp Ground, and that is Hawaii transfer Nick Mardner. Russ, what can you tell me about him, what you've seen from him throughout fall camp, and how good he can be and how much he can beef up the passing game this season for the Bearcats? He's one of those targets that lend me to believe that this will be a high-flying 
passing heavy attack out of the Cincinnati Bearcats, whether it's Ben Bryant, whether it's Evan Prater, I think even more so it's a more likely chance of it being a high level passing attack with Ben Bryant, a high volume passing attack, I should say with Ben Bryant and Nick Mardner is one of those reasons why they are really almost six deep in that wide receiver room. You look at Jadon Thompson, Tyler Scott, Trey Tucker, Nick Mardner, Will Pauling, Drew Donnelly. I mean, they have a ton of speed a lot of size, a lot of versatility. And then you put pair that along with the 12 personnel looks they can throw out there with Leonard Taylor and Josh Wiley. I mean, they are chock full of pass catchers that are capable of having big games week to week and night to night. So Nick Mardner, one of those guys that's added 20 pounds this, this summer, has bought into the Bearcats program fully. Six foot six, he looks every bit of it when you walk up and stand next to him. The guy is an absolute behemoth of a wide receiver. I mean, I'm, I don't have a very good arm, Alex, and I think I could I could hit Nick Mardner on a 60% uh completion expect completion rate on targets to him like the guy is so big he has such a wide frame and i think he's going to give the bearcats even greater ability to hit those high pointing deep shots even more so than alec pierce gave them last year yes alec pierce is arguably just as athletic as the six six frame and the amount of just power he can get behind his jumps and his push-offs his little sneaky push-offs that you try to uh, get in under the referee's eyes He's going to be a weapon this year and flowed in and out of the first team throughout practice and fall camp. I would imagine, I mean, with this receiving core, Trey Tucker and uh, and Tyler, Scott, those are definitive starting wide receivers. But other than that, you're going to see a lot of different guys mix in. I wouldn't be shocked if Nick Martiner is right there at number three or at least number four on the total snap count at the end of the year. Sounds like you think this offense can be just as prolific as last year's all right we've hit on that side of the ball uh after this um live read we're going to turn to the other side the defense and address the elephant in the room i addressed it yesterday russ you're going to address it today here on lockdown bearcats and i think we all know what that elephant in the room is but we'll get to it in just a minute after this this very important message from highway and traffic safety administration so you're hanging out with some friends and you're putting back a few drinks no problem with that but what happens when a few becomes too many? And as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, but no, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. That's what you think. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. What if you kill someone? Everyone needs to know about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence that's why police officers are out there right now they're looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives so if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks please think again play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride it only takes one mistake to change your life or worse someone else's excuse me forever drive sober or get pulled over Thanks again for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. The ultimate college football playoff preview is here. It's a seven-episode series with – I lost the script there. There we go. A seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season at one spot. Search for ultimate college football playoff preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Russ Heltman, my colleague, from all Bearcats, occasional fill-in host here on Lockdown Bearcats. You can follow him on Twitter at, lost my uh, 
Where are we going? Uh, here we go. Uh, you can follow him. Why am I losing my train of thought here? At Russ Heldman 11 on Twitter. Russ, you've been a camp higher ground for, throughout fall camp for the Cincinnati Bearcats. And obviously, we know the elephant in the room is replacing the two All-Americans at corner, Sauce and Kobe. Who's standing out at that position right now? Who's projected to start for the Cincinnati Bearcats? And do you think it will be a drastic difference from last year to this year? Um, I don't think it's going to be a drastic difference in terms of fall off. I mean, the defense won nearly every practice I went to. I don't, I can't actually can't remember one practice I went to that the, the offense won. That's how great the Black Hats defense is looking so far going into the 2022 season. Obviously, Arquan, Arquan Bush going to be there on, um, on a variety of different positions in the cornerback uh, section of things inside boundary no matter where you want to use Arquan Bush I think he's going to show off that versatility this year and he's another guy that's right there on the fringes of draftability in next year's NFL draft and if he has a great versatile season like we all expect him to have then he should be right there as one of the maybe four to five Bearcats that once again could get selected to the next phase of the football career outside of Arquan Bush I, I could see Harris being a guy that could really jump in there um, Todd Bumpus is right up there. JQ Hardaway has made a lot of plays. I mean, there is four to five guys that will mix in and out. I don't know that there's going to be any true definitive starters, like taking up a bunch of the dominant snaps. Sure. There are going to be starters every single week that go out there and begin the defensive sets, but it's going to be a full on rotation. Kerry Coombs is committed to that, I think. And JQ Hardaway is the big name to watch here. He's a guy that for me, is a fulcrum piece on this defense. If he can come in and be that shutdown type of guy as a freshman, like Ahmad Sauce Gardner was, obviously that's a high expectation and that's not likely. I'm not putting that expectation on him. But if he can do that, then there will be very little to any drop-off in my eyes coverage-wise from this secondary. JQ Hardaway, every bit of six foot three, 200 pounds. He's probably over that now. He looks looks over that when I've been standing next to him on the sidelines. Put on a bunch of weight this summer. Another guy like Marner who has bought into the program. He is their marquee recruit coming into this class alongside Mario Eugenio. And he is probably the only part of that duo that will get meaningful playing time at least early on. And if he can, at that size, six foot three, 200 plus pounds, show solid acc acclimation in a college secondary in the first four weeks of that non-conference slate, then I think this secondary won't fall off much at all, despite losing all Americans on either side of the boundary. It's scary and it's unsettling for someone like you, for someone like me, and for uh, those listening to this podcast, all of you, that you know, you're know you used to Sauce's dominance, you're used to Kobe's greatness, but here's the thing. Russ, Sauce and Kobe, you didn't really know who those guys were when they first started. I mean, Sauce was sixth on the depth chart. So the corner starting this year, I mean, you've known their names for multiple years. They've just been backing up greatness. So if you look at it that way, hey, you know, to your point, maybe there won't be that much of a drop-off. Now, here's the, here's the question I want to know. Are the Pace brothers as good as advertised? Yes, no doubt. And Ivan Pace, uh, Justin Williams did a great story on Ivan. He yes. dropped a couple weeks ago. I read that. He noted how Ivan wanted to be number zero coming into the season, coming into uh, spring camp, spring practice, and didn't get that number zero. Had to earn it. He fully earned it throughout spring and in the summer lifting sessions. The guy is like a human missile. 
he just comes out of nowhere on so many different plays. He caused a few turnovers throughout fall camp that I saw. He's going to be a guy that will make up one of the five to six starting level linebackers, similar to cornerback where I mentioned, like I mentioned Bumpus, Justin Harris, guys like that, Sammy Anderson Jr. I mean, Arquan Bush will be the starter. Sammy Anderson Jr. I would imagine will be a starter as well. But then you get to Dequan Shepard, Todd Bumpish, Todd Ward, Justin Harris, JQ Hardaway. I mean, that's six, seven guys right there that you have in the coffers. And the same thing with linebacker. I got, I mean, Jaheim Thomas, Will Huber, and Deshaun Pace should be your starters, I would imagine. But Ivan Pace will be right there getting starter-level snaps. Ty Van Fossen right there backing up Deshaun Pace at the sniper position, getting starter-level snaps. Van Fossen with a great uh, fumble recovery in the scrimmage last week and took it all the way back for a touchdown. So both those spots, linebacker and cornerback, have a chance to be, I would say, the strongest positions on the team pending the play of a pair of newcomers, J.Q. Hardaway and Ivan Pace. Let's pause briefly to uh, hear from two of our sponsors. Then we'll get back to wrap things up with Russ Heltman here on Locked On Bearcats. Locked On Bearcats. I'm Alex Frank, your host each and every day. Russ Heltman, fill in host occasionally for uh, Locked On Bearcats. Also my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. Russ, when you mention all the corners and linebackers, it leads me to this question. And I've talked about this on the show because I actually do believe it. And many people who comment on the videos in YouTube believe it too. So from your, you've been there, you've been at practice. Is this defense in particular, does it have more depth than last year's defense? It's tough for me to say because I didn't follow the team really closely at all last year. So I'd have to go through the two deep, but I mean, on the surface, yeah, but it's I, I'm going to plead the fifth on this one, Alex, because I don't really know. Like last year, how, how do we know okay, the depth behind Ahmad Gardner and and Kobe Bryant wasn't great? How do we know those guys couldn't have come in and stepped yes. in right away and played meaningful snaps? We don't because you had no reason to know. Why would you take off the field two All-Americans? I don't really year. know, and I can't really say for sure if it's deeper, but this is one of the deeper defenses in the country. That I will uh, go out on a limb and, and confirm uh, in my opinion. Okay. Now, that, now, that's a fair answer. That's a really encouraging answer. But here's my question. Will there be an edge rush this year? Because it felt like last year the pressure came from the interior. Well, gone's Curtis Brooks. Now, I'm not saying Malik Van Jabari Taylor and Jawan Briggs can't make up for it all together combined. I think they can. But is there going to be a, a rush off the edge, whether it's from uh, Noah Potter, whether it's from Wilson Huber, whether it's from a linebacker? I mean, is there going to be an edge rush this year, Russ? Yeah, there will be one, but I think it's going to be a similar type of game plan defensively as last year. Jawan Briggs, next man up. You need to create that havoc on the interior. And then guys like Deshaun Pace, guys like Jaheim Thomas, guys like Ivan Pace, who set an NCAA record for sacks in one game and was one of the most productive pressure players in the country last year at Miami of Ohio, are going to have to step up and create that pressure in this augmented 3-3-5 look. So it's usually in this style of defense, not necessarily – um, a huge there's usually not necessarily a huge burden on those edge rushers to get out off their blocks get out on the edge on the outside be able to take the quarterback down like you mentioned a lot of focus on the interior in terms of creating pressure up the middle and then getting those linebackers involved but to me I don't think we're gonna have much 
more of an edge rushing impact this year than we had last year. I wouldn't expect it to be higher. I would expect it to be kind of the same. And then you're looking for Jawan Briggs to not necessarily have as great a season as Curtis Brooks had last year, because if that were to happen, then yeah, this Black Cats defense shouldn't really fall off at all. But something in that range, kind of close to four and a half, five sacks and a decent amount of pressures, maybe 30 to 40 pressures on the season would be good out of, uh, out of that middle man yeah. spot. Do you see this defense staying in, in that three-three-five that they like to play? Because Russ, I, I I gotta be honest, and you know, living and working down here in what's called apparently SEC country, I've been told by many people you're gonna get run over by Arkansas playing that three-three-five. Because Russ, we remember the Cotton Bowl last year when Alabama ran for three hundred plus yards. Okay, well Arkansas led the SEC in rushing last year. They were seventh in the country in rushing. Like, I mean, it's like we're preaching change the three three five, but think it's going to change. And if it's it's not, like, do you anticipate this game on September third playing out like the Cotton Bowl did? I don't. I think the Bearcats have learned their lesson. I think we'll get a few more wrinkles added into the three three five look. Maybe some extra linebackers on the field. And that's the thing, Alex. We haven't been able to see all of the practices so far this year. They've had some okay. open to the media, some not open to the media. And I would imagine they are working on some things behind closed doors that nobody has seen yet, including members of the media who can report on what they've seen and subsequently let that trickle down south to all those uh, all those very interested birdies in Fayetteville. So I think we will have a wrinkle in this defense. Maybe it's added linebackers on the field or whatnot that will, uh, will be in store for the Razorbacks in about 10 days. How about that? It's like playing Navy when you got to have four down linemen and four linebackers go with a 4-4 four, four up, up front. All right, now, Russ, we were hoping to have our, our, our good friend and buddy James Rapine, who's also our colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, but he um, wasn't able to make it today. He had uh, Bengals stuff going on. I mean, they got joint practice with the L.A. Rams this week. When you say the L.A. Rams, kind of get a little heebie-jeebies there, but uh, he was busy with Lockdown Bengals and Lockdown NFL. So, Russ, to round out the show, um, since I'm not sure if you're going to be on the show before the first game of the season, but um, obviously, you know, this is a Bearcats podcast, but – we're 18 days – what are we, 18 days away? Yeah, 18 days away from kickoff at Paycor Stadium. Can I get a Bengals record prediction from you? 14-3. Got the Bengals Ooh, going 14-3, and three, the number one seed in the AFC. Yes. And my thoughts haven't really changed throughout this offseason, Alex, especially yes. once they shored up the offensive line. Now that Jesse Bates is back in the fold three yes. weeks before That's kickoff, you, you can – get those nice versatile safety packages worked in with the rookie Dax Hill, who looks every bit of a first round pick so far Love that guy. in uh yeah, so far in his career. So to me, I am going all the way top end of the spectrum, 14 and three win for 14 and three record for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I will go ahead and give you those losses that I think the Bengals will have this year. I have them dropping the game at the Patriots home okay. is the bills and at the Ravens. Other than that, okay, all W's. So we agree on one of the losses. Now, I, I, I'm not a guy who like who likes to one up people, even though I have a habit <laughs> of doing it. I got him at 15 and two. Oh, all right. Okay. Now here's what's crazy. Now I have them losing to New England. That's a terrible time to go up to play New England. I don't care if New England's not going to be that good this year, which I don't think they will be. But. Playing them on Christmas Eve and Bill Belichick, I, I, I just do not like that. On a short week, too, on a back-to-back -back road trip, might I add. I have him losing yeah. to Tampa Bay. I, I just fear Tom Brady's going to get the ball last, and you know what happens when that. 
is the scenario. It's the scenario, but that's going to be a great game. I'm actually going to be at that game. And then that's those are my only two losses. I just yep. think like you can like the Ravens game's a tough one, but if Burrow can go into Tuscaloosa, who's to say he can't go into Baltimore on prime time? Like that's my line oh, of yeah. thinking. That was just more. And, more yeah. out of third loss, to be honest, when I was going okay. through the entire schedule. Yes. It, it's tough for me to find that third loss, and I think it could happen against yeah. the Ravens. But who uh, last year became one of the three quarterbacks to have back-to-back games of 400-plus yards and multiple touchdown passes? Yeah, I think he's – Baltimore yeah, Ravens. Oh, Joe Burrow. The only quarter. Yeah, he's, he's coming yeah. off a pretty good two-game set against the old uh, Dirty Birds. 941 combined passing yards and eight and seven touchdowns and one pick. Yeah, that'll – That'll do it. Um, it it's going to be a fun season, another fun football season in Cincinnati. I'm sure that we will have you on, Russ. You're going to be hosting this show, I know, uh, at various points throughout the month of September and uh, throughout the season. So I'm sure the fans will, which, by the way, they they gave you some good reviews. So uh, major props to you for filling in for me last week. And uh, Hey, love it. Love it from the people. We'll, we'll do it again. Uh, well, they, they like both of us, I think. So that's, yeah, that's good. Got to get both of us on there. Follow Russ Heltman <laughs> on Twitter at... Did I lose it again? No, I didn't. At Russ Heltman 11. He's also a, um, he's also, where, where are you? Um, producer and host at WMKV 89.3. That's where you are right now. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, but uh, I know we ran, I think we ran a little bit over, but uh, you know what? We're 10 days away from kickoff. So I think that's okay. Russ Heltman from all Bearcats, my colleague and sports illustrator. Thank you as always Russ for uh, giving your boots on the ground reporting and uh, 10 days away from the, the throwdown in Fayetteville. Almost here, Alex. Can't wait. Thanks for having me on. Russ Heldman from All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, my colleague as well. Thank you for tuning in, all of you, to Lockdown Bearcats here on uh, the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, up to 431 subscribers and counting. All right. That's going to do it for me today. How about this? On tomorrow's show, the one and the only Mo Egger from ESPN 1530 and 700 WLW will be joining me for this for their season preview. Look, I was hoping to have Dan Horn and Jim Kelly Jr. on, but they are knee deep in Bearcats and Bengals prep. So we will have Mo on tomorrow's show. So stay tuned for that. That's gonna be fun. And then on Friday, still working on getting Chris Vanini from the Athletic on this show. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and an ATI. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrankNot underscore, or email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. If there's a topic you want discussed or something you think we need to talk about, feel free to reach out in, in one of those three different ways. For your second listen today, make it locked on Big 12. You can get more on the Big 12 with everyday host Josh Neighbors, good friend of mine, and the local experts of Lockdown as they take you across the conference in 30 minutes. Locked on Big 12, your second listen. That's Locked on Big 12. For the Locked on Bearcats podcast, my name is Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day, and I will be back tomorrow with Mo Egger in our fourth of five season previews as we get you set for the 2022 football season. I'm Alex Frank for the Locked on Bearcats podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.